You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Do we ever have a good one for you today? We are going through our Pacific Division preseason predictions, and before we get there, we had a uh, a few big names finally go to the retirement home today, huh, Benny? Yeah, like I said in text message, it's a pretty good uh, top three defense core seven years ago. Yes, seven <laughs> years ago. So we had a Big Z coming back to Boston, signing a one-day contract and retiring. We had Keith Yandel retiring today as well. And we also had P.K. Subban calling it a career. Um, Subban's going right to the booth. Oh, Subban's going right to the booth. I mean, I think... Uh, PK made plenty of money in his career, but I think that's another thing where he's a perfect guy for media. Just the the way that he is, the way he carries himself, the attitude, the flamboyancy, like it, it, he'll be perfect for the booth. And he's more of, I feel like actually thinking about it, he's more of a studio guy. Like I don't, from his brief uh, TV work that he did the last year or two, I don't take his like seriously him seriously for hardcore analysis like from a color guy, but in a studio, just having a personality, helping fill 15, 20 minutes, being a recent player, I think that's going to be much more helpful than, no offense, I love him, but having a guy like Torch there who's just like screaming at the sky. Um, so I think him in studio would be good. Anything's better than uh, Bizonette. Well, I think him and Biz are probably that same personality of the guy who wants to be the most out there and the most seen. (laughs) So uh, I think uh, if you put the two of them together in between intermission, that'll be an interesting one to see who could talk more or not do as much crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, so was today like, I know that camps are opening, so maybe that's why, but it just felt odd that all three announced today. Yeah, um... I mean, for for the NHL, I mean, you, you can announce you retire fucking wh- whenever you want. But, yeah, I think it was just kind of – I, I don't want to say there wasn't any interest. You know, there was still rumors of Big Z, and he was getting offers from certain places. So I, think, I mean, the Rangers offered him a PTO. Yeah, so I, I think for him that's probably more just a uh, personal choice in the end as to, you know, whether you want to go or stay. Um, Yans kind of towards the end of his career, I mean – Last year, with the Iron Man streak coming to an end, I think yeah. that, that was one of those things that was just, uh, I don't want to say a nail in the coffin, but maybe for him personally, it was just kind of, all right, we're now past that bridge here. Like, maybe we can go do something else. And PK, I, I thought for sure that someone was going to offer him a one year deal with, you know, not, not huge money, but I, I'd probably say one year, three or $4 million to see if there was anything left. But, Maybe on a personal level, he just thought his game was not where it should be and, and called it a career. So That just shows you how much baggage he has. I mean, I, I'd say the other way. I'd say it shows you how how, how he's fallen. I mean, went from a yeah. Norris Trophy winner to, you know, that one-for-one one with Shea Weber down in Nashville. And then, I mean, David Poyle, you got to give him credit. I mean, he knew when to trade him. He got rid of him at a perfect time. Yeah, his lasting legacy in my eyes will be the – Always uh, the slew foot and then turtle when he had to face the uh, the reaper after pulling shit like that. Yeah, so like me, 
I'm I'm very intrigued. I already know how you'd feel about this, but now for a person who has his MO to be in the studio and something happens on ice and if he says that, hey, you have to drop the gloves there <laughs> like I just don't think that's a good look, you know. <laughs> I think he's gonna avoid saying so anybody has to kind of man up and you know, drop the gloves like you said. I think he's actually gonna give the other point of view where it's always going to be, ah, oh, you know, I don't think that's on purpose there. You know, hockey's a fast sport. Da, da, da. Like, it's almost like Carlos Beltran. He was hired by the Yankees to do uh, color analysis. And whenever they brought up the Houston cheating scandal, it was just silence. Like, that's going to be Subban when it comes to slew foots. It's going to be like, uh, well, you know, hockey's a fast sport. Anyway, look at this nice uh, dangle at the blue line. <laughs> Back to you in studio, Rick. <laughs> That's the that's the only thing that I can envision uh, Biz Nasty being good on because he'll hold him to the fire and be like, "Come on, you know something about that, PK." Well, I would just like like on the other side of it, I would just love for him to get it on the other end. Like, I would just love to see Biz going like, "Who are you to question anything? Like, that was my <laughs> job. Like, that's where I got pushed into the fire. Like, I don't want to hear anything coming from you." Yeah. I mean, Subban's last ever thing in the league that was notable was uh, slew-footing Sammy Blaine tearing his ACL this past year uh, in a Rangers-Devils game. So, you know. I don't know. I, I thought him mic'd up with Trent Frederick was pretty good, too. <laughs> never fought him, though. Yeah. Well, shocking. Um, so, yeah, he's got... I feel bad for Yandel with the Iron Man streak stuff that, like you said, kind of deflated him there. His play kind of dropped off once he left the Rangers um, and kind of wrapped up his career there. Chara should have retired once he was done in Boston. Like, I get the drive. I get their competitive guys, and it's hard to just say, okay, it's something I've been doing since I was a kid, and I'm just going to stop doing now. But, you know, he plays third pair, sometimes top four minutes, in Washington, doesn't really contribute much offensively, was basically a role player, seventh defenseman for the Islanders this past year. Like, I don't know. To me, when you think of Char, you think of his long run with Boston and seeing him in the last two years. That's why I'm glad, I know it was health-related, that we didn't get Hank playing one year in Washington, then one year on another team. And it's just like he basically... Just chasing a cup. Yeah, you saw him in New York, and then when his career was over in New York, you never saw him anywhere else. And I wish Chara did that with Boston. My only thing with Chara is, uh, and I'm very open about this, I was never a big Z guy when we brought him in. I'm never a fan of bringing a guy in and instantly giving him the captaincy. I, I You wanted Patrice to have it. I, even at that age, I mean, even if they didn't say Patrice was ready, I mean, we still had Glenn Murray here, a guy who had been here a long time. Like, Holy uh, shit, like, Glenn like, Murray. I, I just think there was different places to go with it. And um, after the 2013 Stanley Cup Final, where Bergie played with anything and everything broken, taking nerve blocks to go play Game 6... I thought that was a time to, you know, transition the captaincy to him. Did not happen. Um, but I think for legacy, right, like anytime you get to that point as to where you think you should end up, Zdeno Char is leaving Boston with one Stanley Cup. 
could have left. Yeah, could have left with three. Like, I mean, uh, same for Bergeron and Marchand. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, like, that's a that's always one of those souring things. I mean, listen, 2013 Chicago was better. I, I, like, we we blew Game Six, but who knows what if we would have won Game Seven if we got there? I don't even know, but. That game seven at home against St. Louis, man, that one's a fucking stinger. And granted, I mean, Z's playing with a broken jar and everything else. I'm not saying it's on him, but you wear the captaincy. You're the big fella in town. That happens on your watch. That's a tough look. Yeah, and the last comment I have on Chara with Boston is you guys were in the basement for a long time, and... I know you guys had Bergeron come in, and you guys started uh, – your prospect pool started showing some results uh, a year or two before Chara came aboard. But his signing basically opened the door for Boston to be viewed in a different light in terms of their status in the league as a contender and also to other players and veterans around the league. I, I don't think – I know some were acquired via trade – and not free agency, but guys like Grecky, Aginla, the guys that were veterans chasing their cup to go to a contender, they never go to Boston if Char doesn't go, or not all of them do. Um, so I think that helps solidify the Bruins' turnaround as, all right, rebuild's over, we're not, we're tired of being in the basement, we're bringing in... Yeah, that was Z and Savard. defenseman, yeah. yeah. Z and Savard on the same day, that was a big day. Big turnaround day. Yeah, and poor Ottawa choosing Redden over Chara. <laughs> God bless him. Yeah, so, yeah, I just wish he kind of wrapped it up in Boston. Uh, the other news that came out today was McKinnon. Big money. Big dollar. Yeah, so eight-year extension for a very below market $12.6 million a year. <laughs> so I was going to say, just to be ahead of McDavid and be the highest paid player in the game. Is he better than McDavid? Skill set wise, no. I, I love McKinnon's game, but I think if you put just the speed and stick handling that Connor has, I, I don't think you can put Nate ahead of him. But I love Nate's straight-ahead speed. I love his choppiness. I love that he's the size of a fucking fire hydrant out there. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love all that. Like, like, he fucks. I, I love Nate McKinnon. So that's the thing. I know we'll get into Colorado specifically here, but in terms of the league, this sets a very good precedent for having a de facto hard individual player salary cap. Because if you're a young player or even a veteran who's a star in this league, how can you go to your team and go, I'm worth more than Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon? You're not. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, hey, thanks for showing up. But uh, wh whoever your agent is, tell him uh, no one's going to hire you for that. You know, like, good yeah. luck. Let us know. So it's, it's basically caps, you know, salaries for franchise guys at 11, 11 five, like the Panera level. Like eleven six, like that and, type of stuff. Like no one's going to get thirteen because how you can't say like, hey, I deserve to be paid more than Connor until a generational guy like McKinnon and Connor come around again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. I, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that 
one player max in the NHL on your team can be at the 20% of the cap. And just mm-hmm. looking at McDavid at 12-5, he's at 15-2. So, I mean, mm. you, you could even go a little bit more if you wanted to. I mean, obviously, you know, the cap is going to go up within the next couple of years. But even right now, having a guy at 12-5 or 12-6 on your team, that's already... It, it's putting you on the backside in the sense of being compliant. But, I mean, obviously, when you have the best players in the world on your team, it's kind of yeah. hard to... It puts you in a window. Yeah. Like, that's where the Rangers are with the Panarin deal, and then they had to resign Fox, and then Truba, and then Mika, and Crut. Like, once you get one guy who's making north of $10 million a year, you have basically a three year window before you have to blow it up. Now, question for you, because we're already on them and on this extension. I mean, I think for market value and everything else, I think, you know, Nate got paid. Yeah. But. Now, going forward for the team standpoint, they're going to have to wiggle this a whole different way. I mean, just next year alone, you have Nate at 12-6, you have Miko Rantanen at 9-2-5, Landis Cog at 7, Nachuskin at 6-1-2-5, and then Lekkonen at 4-5. That's just up front. You, you have a lot of... Other guys like JT Confer, Evan Rodriguez, Cogliano, like those guys are all going to be UFA and are a lot shorter. Of money, money. But I mean, you go to the back end. The, just the, this is just under contract for next year. McCarr <laughs> at nine, Gerard at five, Manson at four five, Taves at four one. Like, and then Bo Byram would be a restricted at RFA. So you're going to pay Gerard, him again. It's either Gerard Scon or they're going to be up against it this year. And this is the last year the cap is going to be flat. It's going to go up by less. I heard the rumor. It was going to go up about three and a half million dollars for next season. That That's a huge cushion. That's a huge. Yeah. Cushion. So if Colorado, I mean, obviously they, they've done the math and they've done the, the player movement. I think their plan is to get through this year, have the Johnson deal fall off. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're not going to keep, Helm. Helm's gone. I think Caligiano's gone. So that's another two and a half mil. And then the cap goes up. And then they're hoping some of these young forwards, like a new hook, step up um, and start filling some of these holes. And then I think they'll be okay. If they had to move Landeskog and Rantanen, who do you think Colorado moves? I think Rantanen, to be honest. Really? Yeah, I mean... Uh, because it is C? I think because of the C. Um, I think part of it's the money, too. I mean, ranting into Landis Cog, I mean, that's 2.25 difference. I mean. Yeah. But I, I think Landy there is, I I think he's safe. And it's like, it, it, that's such a hard call. But, yeah, I think they'd, they'd put ranting off the books. Yeah, I mean. My only concern is the style of play that Landy has. He's going to be 30 years old, and he still has, what, five or six years left in his deal? I think it's another five, yeah. Yeah, Rantanen, 25. He has three years left in his deal, including this year. So even if he finishes that out, you still have his prime years, and he plays, I mean, sometimes to his detriment, a much softer game. So you would think his career is going to last a little longer. But my only thing is this. Like, 
He's at nine two five. I don't think that number is going to go down. I think he's going to want more, and that's where you're like, "All right, pal, like thanks." That's true. Landy gives you some certainty. Exactly. That, that's where I go with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's their plan. Johnson falls off, and then the cap goes up. Um, but they're not. This is this was their last splash for this core. Like this is their team for the next three to five years of. Landis Cog, McKinnon, Nishuskin, McCarr, uh, Byram, and Taves is your core. Um, and then goaltending, you're just hoping you can catch lightning in a bottle every year. Yeah, I do not like Frank Hor and Georgiev, and that, that's not a uh, that's not the one-two I envision. That's the thing. Georgiev, when he backed up Hank, he had a, one good year. And then when Hank missed some time because of that freak puck to the fucking throat thing, um, he played well, and then last well the year before last year, it was that, that weird three headed monster of Hank, Igor, and Georgiev, and it was like none of them can get into a rhythm. And then based on that experience, he walked into training camp this year thinking like he was the franchise goaltender, put up a stink, was a problem in a locker room. Finally goes to Colorado. I don't think he's that good. Like he's not. I don't think he's like a shit goaltender, but I don't think there's any difference between him and if they sign Craig Anderson. I mean, Craig Anderson so, probably a little cheaper. But. <laughs> like, I just think he's a solid, like one B type goaltender, and I know he's young, and they're probably betting on some progression. But if he is what he is, you're basically putting the defending Stanley Cup champs in the hands of two. 1B goaltenders. So, I don't know. Taking a risk there. <laughs> Although it's better than what Vegas has. So, I'll say that. Um, the other bit of news I wanted to quickly touch on is how the Edmonton Oilers are suddenly turning into the, the Raiders of the National Hockey League. They signed Kane with all that other horse shit going on off the ice that ended his career in San Jose. He kept his nose clean, which shocking, coming up of free agency. And now they bring in Vertanen on the PTO. I know he was cleared of everything, which if that's if that's the truth, I'm glad he got cleared, you know. But there's baggage there. Mm-hmm. Now they're in a position where they're basically taking flyers on guys like is is Voinev coming over? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they have to take flyers on risky guys because they're so up against it with the cap. I mean, that's that's what I was going to get to. Via their cap situation, they're just taking flyers on guys that they can fit in. Yeah. But I, I agree. I mean, at what point is enough enough? And, you know, Vertanen, that was a very... I mean, on his behalf, I don't even think he thought he was ever going to get a chance to play hockey here again. I, yeah. I thought he was going to be a Euro player for the rest of his being. Now, he has a chance. Do I think he can make the team? Yeah, I do. And I, also I think, think he'll make it. I think Demers can make the team, too. I think you have two guys on PTOs that you can put into the lineup. And the only thing with Demers is they just have to figure out with their younger guys what they're going to do. Like... Are they going to keep uh, Broberg up? Like, I just think that'd be one of those things. Like, Jason Demers would be a perfect seventh or eighth defenseman with you just to carry around. Yeah. 
veteran, can play both sides, won't kill you. Yeah. Uh, which is exactly what the Rangers should have done, but we'll get there in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, almost there, almost there, pal. Um, but yeah, uh, are you ready for our first preview? I am ready for the Pacific Division, my friend. I feel like we'll start here. I wanted to start here based on, you know, our beef over Seattle. So I wanted to put, force you to put money where your mouth is and give a final prediction on where they'll finish. But before we get into this season, quick recap of last year. Uh, Calgary division champs uh, ended up kind of pulling away 111 points. Uh, Edmonton in second with 104. LA in third with 99. Vegas in fourth with 94. The Canucks in fifth with 92. And then the bottom half of the division, San Jose at 77, which I'm stunned, stunned they, made they got that. to 77 points. Yeah. Uh, Anaheim at 76 and Seattle at 60. Uh, Calgary, Edmonton, and L.A. were the playoff teams from this division. So I don't know how you want to handle it. Do we want to start from the top and go down, bottom from the top, and then choose playoff teams from the division? Oh, whatever you want, big boy. You tell me. Uh, let's start at the top because I think the order of who we think might be a playoff team here is where the biggest contention is going to come from. Um, I don't think there's much debate about the bottom one or two. Okay. Uh, so I'll go first. I think we're both in agreement here. Calgary's going to win a division back-to-back years. Stunning turn of events because July 5th, July 10th, I had them basically either in full rebuild mode or finishing fourth or fifth in division. Now I'm like, yeah, they'll win the division easily. (laughs) Now right back to normalcy, right where they were last year. (laughs) Like, you have to replace two 90-point guys, but you do that by bringing in two 90-point guys. (laughs) Yeah, and then you solidify with Kadri. Um, So... Yeah, Calgary's there. I think their edge is just in goal, which helps them separate from the middle part of this division. No, I agree. I I think Markstrom there had a really good year last year. The only question I have is last year it almost seemed as if that Battle of Alberta had finally got the fuse reignited there, and it was – nasty ugly hockey and it was great to watch as a fan but it almost seemed like calgary always seemed to uh uh, how do i put it correctly just they could never take the bull by the horns in these moments like they, they might win at one point of the night and then edmonton would come and just close the door on them and it just seemed like uh, that might be their achilles heel and honestly I think that was part of the reason they got rid of Kachuk. Uh, like that's a those are games there that are Matthew Kachuk's bread and butter, and they didn't win that playoff series. And hey, he might not wanted to re-sign in Calgary, but at the same time, games like that where he's supposed to be his best and be an agitator and really just grind people's gears and everything else, he didn't get Edmonton off their game, he, or didn't get them off their game enough. And to me, that's where I, I think he lost a little bit of his luster. But they bring in Nazem Kadri, who is not scared to fucking knee somebody in the face or hit him from behind <laughs> or cross-check him in the mouth. So I guess we'll see how that battle continues this year. Yeah, the thing with Kachuk was he's the agitator, and 
he does that job well. But he also, for a guy who knows that style, is easily thrown off his game and gets distracted, um, which is confusing to me. Like, how can you be a guy who agitates and yet gets so easily agitated yourself? But for, for me, the biggest question for Calgary, which you touched on, and I'm glad you did it, reminded me, I know they have the leadership in place, like on a player side. But when you think of Calgary, like who's the guy in a room is going to basically pull them by their fucking collars and drag them through a long playoff run? That was on the team last year. None. Like that's where I'm at with them. Like who's the guy? Like who's the fucking man? It should be Big Looch, but I think from an output standpoint, it's not Big Looch. I think for. Yeah indoor leadership and all that i i think you look to the big fella but for actual uh you know points and statistics it's not him yeah and that brings me to who i have finishing a second because you know who's going to basically drag and kick in and scream into contention i have the oilers in second i had oilers there as well yeah I, they solved their goaltending in my mind. I don't think Campbell's a franchise guy, but when you go from Mike Smith and Koskinen to Jack Campbell, Day and that's night. a massive upgrade. Day and night. Yeah. I know he's a, still a little bit inconsistent, but I think over the long run of a full 82-game season, he'll be a solid number one for them. And come playoff time, um, you know some of the goaltenders around the league that are expected to start for playoff teams – will help Edmonton for the first time and God knows how long have an edge in net in some of these matchups. Um, I like what they did on the back end, the Kulak mm-hmm. uh, edition. I think I know he had it started off pretty damn rough, but I think Bouchard's ready for a jump, hopefully pushing CC to the third pair. I know everybody lo- knows my history with Cody CC. Um, so I like they finally brought in a goaltender. They kind of solidified their back end, and then obviously you have the guys up front. Kane, can he keep his nose clean? I mean, it, it, you know, I don't know if he can keep his nose clean, but he went there and he <laughs> and he was a hell of a player for him. Yeah, if he if they get seventy, if they get eighty percent of that player this year, they're they're a problem. Um, and they're basically bringing back the rest of the roster that they had last year. I like the uh, Yamark. Uh, addition on the fourth line. You can play center on a third if need be. The only problem is they have no cap space and they still haven't signed McLeod. Yeah, they're, um, they're tight to it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if they're planning on maybe moving Um I need to get an Oilers Yamamoto jersey like just to walk around flushing here and get the street cred. Um, but yeah, for me, Edmonton, they finally stopped fucking around with their goaltending and I think that helps them. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I, I think signing Jack is definitely, like you said, they can actually go with something with the goaltending advantage. And their D looks so much better. Uh, like yep. Their D was just always a big question mark for me. Um, yeah, I mean, McDavid needs to stay healthy for him. So does Dreisaitl. And see as to how far they can actually make it. I mean, personally, I would rank them a better Stanley Cup contender than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Ooh, I like that. Actually, yeah, I mean, I think Toronto. Well, I'll save it. 
I'll see if oh, it, no, I'm just going don't... off of, you know, just you know, <laughs> saying, man. Just saying. Now we get to an interesting part of the division. Yep. The middle, the meat of it, of, and this will determine who's a playoff team or not uh, overall. Finishing third, I have the Vancouver Canucks. See, I had Vancouver in fourth. I expect this team that I'm going to pick to have a lot better of a year. I, I like the lineup, the construction that they had. I have the Anaheim Ducks in third. Okay. So the reason why I'm going Vancouver is I love Demko. I do too. I know. Yeah. I, so I think that's a huge leg up. I know their back end is like – when when you when you think of the word eh, it's Vancouver's defense. <laughs> like I know you have I know they have Hughes, but after him, it's a bunch of like just hold on to your ass for you know fifty minutes a night, hoping that the guys don't fuck them over. Um, I think Dermot's going to have a much better run of it here in Vancouver than he did in Toronto because he's not going to be bouncing around from the left side to the right side, top pair. To seventh D, so I think he'll get a good run. Lar- Ekman Larson, I know, wasn't peak OEL, but he turned his career around last year. So I think he's a solid like number four or five right now. Myers, uh, I don't know what's going on there. That's a big, but the real big boy there. The real, I know, but the real core of it for me is their forward group. I think outside of. Uh, Calgary, I think the best forward group in the division. I'm all in on their top six. I think well-rounded. You have Miller and Hobat, one, two. You have Pedersen, who could play. They can have Pedersen at their 3C or on their first line. I think that's a huge matchup advantage where if they're playing Vegas and Stone's healthy, you can have Pedersen avoid him. Um, Mikheyev coming over helps them pushes Pearson down to the third line. Uh, I know I love Connor Garland, like irrationally love Connor Garland as a player. So I think they're set up well. Their fourth line with Dickinson and Lazar is Chef's kiss fourth line in my mind. Um, I just think they're set up well front and in goal. And for a regular season run, that's more than a lot of teams can put out there night to night. No, I, I agree. I, I like Vancouver. My only thing was it seemed like they finally started churning around uh, last year towards the end of the year when Boudreaux came in and they got really hot at the right time. Yeah. And now, to me, it's Bruce Boudreaux everywhere he's gone, he's had that M.O. where he comes in and they'll be hot. But then they finally cool off and then eventually Bruce Boudreaux gets fired. So are they going to still take the direction of Bruce Boudreaux? Lineup wise, I do like this team. Yeah. Um, Thatcher Net, the D, I mean, Quinn Hughes, I think, is going to have a breakout season. I think last year for him, it was kind of shouldering the load a little bit. But now, like you said, I think he has the right people in place to kind of go with him. And yes, up front, I'm happy they finally figured out that JT Miller situation. I could not, like, every <laughs> fucking day I had to hear about that. It was driving me crazy. Is he going to get dealt? Is he not? He's going to be going back to New York. He's going here. He's going there. It was like, so for him, I'm sure it'll probably finally be a good mental standpoint to just play hockey. Yeah. Once. So, 
Yeah, I had them just behind Anaheim. Anaheim, to me, was just this team of... I love the off-season moves that Pat Verbeek made. I love the amount of cap space that this team has. And I think with all of these young guys having a very good year last year, I think now it's time for them to make an even bigger jump and kind of make a push in this division. I mean, could this not be the year? Sure. But at the same time, I think you're going to see a definitely much newer and improved team that we've seen in years past. Yeah, my hesitation with Anaheim is, I agree. I like that Verbeek didn't go all in with a bunch of long-term deals. He was able to swing probably the second or third best free agent defenseman on the market to a one-year kind of prove-it deal, which is, I can't believe that. That's what Klingberg had to settle for, and he did it in Anaheim. My problem is up front. I mean, you have Fowler and Klingberg, one, two. Shattenkirk, at this point, is like a six, seven power play guy. Kulikov had a brutal playoff run with Minnesota, but regular season he was solid, so we'll see if. Uh, and I mean, which, and they got him for nothing, too. Yeah, which Kulikov they get. I like Drysdale. I think Drysdale is going to be a great defenseman. Yeah, they finally cleared out Manson to give him a run. So, like, now this is the year they'll figure out what they have long-term in him. Um, I think Fowler is extremely overrated. Um, I don't think he's a legitimate top-pair franchise guy. So, I just think the defense is a little weak. Love Gibson and goal. I like the Strom signing. Um, I'm expecting McTavish to be their next big young guy to come in and produce. So I like it. I just don't think they have enough talent on the wings. Like Henrique is a fourth liner right now. Um, Silverberg has, is Jack, like does nothing offensively. And then you look at the rest of the guys. It's like, ah. like, I don't, I don't really see it right now for Anaheim to finish ahead of some of these other teams which is a shame because they have the talent in goal. They have a couple franchise guys up front, but I just don't think they have the 6 through 12 in the forward group to be able to contend this year. Which is fair. I'm I'm expecting, on the other end, I'm expecting a massive year from Trevor Zegras. The, the kid came on the mm. scene and made a huge thing. Troy Terry has just been continuing and continue to produce for them every year. You bring in McTavish, who I think is going to be the second in the Calder Cup this year. Mm. And um, <coughs> I, I just think that for a game that is getting very fast, speed-wise, I, I think that if you put the edge towards them, I, I think they you know can blow some teams out of the building with how young they are and how quick they are. And just how offensively skilled they are. So as long as they can keep that, th- that is where I have them. And Dallas Eakins finally starts getting a run here. He had that first go. Yeah. <laughs> he was a, he was a hot coaching candidate, comes in, face plants, gets fired, bides his time, rebuilds his value in an A, comes back to Anaheim, going through another rebuild, and looks like he landed in the lottery here by getting Terry... Zegras, McTavish, 
So and Drysdale and Gibson. So looks it's heading in the right direction. I will say that. I wouldn't be surprised if they compete uh, for a wild card spot. I just think they'll finish just outside of that. Right. You already said your number four, Vancouver. I did. So my number four, and this is where I, I went back and forth. If everyone that's currently healthy on their roster stays relatively healthy, quote-unquote, for hockey-wise, I have Vegas finishing fourth. Okay. If Stone is missing any significant time, they're a lottery team. See, I went off of the injuries, and I had them lower. So, okay. So, from what I'm hearing and reading, Stone is healthy or will be healthy for camp, which is a big thing. If he's out, that kind of pops a hole in Vegas's roster construction to the point where now you start lacking some... They're already against the cap. They already have very little depth up front. So then you start trying to plug holes, and you're obviously going to have... Uh, injuries pop up during the season, then you're going to have to be struggling to fill those with, you know, league average guys. And then the points difference starts just adding up. So I think if Stone's healthy, they're fourth. If he's not healthy, oh boy. Um, I know they have their issues in goal, but I think at this point they're just, if they have to win 5-4 every night, they'll win 5-4 every night. That's why they brought in Kessel to help with that power play to, take advantage of every opportunity they get. Um, but yeah, I'm having them fourth, but with a very big asterisk. I have them straight up fifth. Okay. I I agree. I think the injury to Leonard is going to kill them on that backside. Granted, I'm not taking anything away from Theodore or Alex Petrangelo, but I, I do think you still need the goalie to stop it a, a little bit too. <laughs> Um, yeah. Nolan Patrick, I don't know if we're ever going to see the kid play hockey again. Uh, back on IR. Yeah. Uh, Leonard out long term. And then, like you said, is Jack going to be able to come in and be completely 100% injury free? Don't know. Don't know. Mark Stone, like you said, already a big question mark to his health. And then after that, filling the things. If there is any injuries, even to outside of their top three into the top six, they're screwed. I mean, yeah. if anything happens to Carlson, Marsha show or Riley Smith, they're going down and in a heap. Yeah. So yeah, I had them as fifth in that division. Fifth in the division for me, the Seattle Kraken. That, oh, I'm sorry. I had Vegas as sixth in the division. I had, Five. I had Seattle as fifth. Sorry. So we agree. Seattle fifth. If Vegas falls off, I have Seattle fourth. That's my asterisk there. Just flip based on injury. Okay. Um, I like their D. I know they're putting a lot of their all their eggs in the basket of two eighteen-year-olds to be one C two C. I've been burned as a Ranger fan in recent memory, so maybe that's, you know, blurring my decision-making. <laughs> but I think that's a lot to put on two young guys. If one of them hits this year, great. But expecting both to hit 
in their very first eight, I'm 18 years old in the National Hockey League. I think that's a lot to put on their shoulders. But they bring in Burakowski. They have Schwartz coming back healthy. Um, they bring in uh, Bjorkstrand. They have Coleman on a fourth line, which I like. So it's a very solid group, even if you know they just have an average offense. That's a huge improvement from last year. Um, Grubauer is he the guy? Like they gave him that big money deal. You know, Colorado they could have fit him under the cap if they wanted to. They would have had to move some guys around. They chose not to. He goes to Seattle, has a shit year. Is he the guy? Uh, they can't bank on Drieger this year. They bring in Jones as a backup. If Grubauer is hurt for any amount of time, they're fucked. Uh, Jones is not carrying them anywhere. Back end, like I said, solid. Um, I hope they get more out of Dunn this year offensively to kind of quarterback the power play. But when I th- when I look at the Seattle roster, I just think solid with the potential for more next year, kind of like in the Anaheim boat. Um, I'm also just not a huge Hockstall guy, so I don't know if he's the right guy to kind of help them turn that corner. But I just think they're solid. So I don't really th- see them in a position to alter their season output as a team on their own. I think they just advance up or down the standings based on all the question marks with the teams around them. So they, I haven't finished in fifth. They could finish fourth. They can finish behind L.A. in sixth. I think all that stuff could happen, but I just see them as solid. I can agree with your uh, orientation of them. <laughs> uh, I personally believe Matthew Berniers is going to win the Calder this year. I okay. think for a guy who came in last year at the end of the year from Michigan, plays 10 games, gets nine points, very hot start. I think this is a kid who's going to continue on that trajectory of going forward. I think he has pieces around him and whether they put him with Everly and Schwartz or Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand, like I think that as a young kid, having a security blanket is not a bad thing. No. And I think for someone like him, I, I think that's going to be crucial in the sense of growing. Um, Shane Wright this year, I believe, not going to have the best year. Probably the 3C there, but I think it's going to be a very big learning year for him as to how to be a professional, how to deal with the ups and downs. Because up until the draft, this kid didn't have any ups and downs. Yeah, uh, Alleged projected number one overall pick and from what i heard on the other end was he didn't go number one because they all thought he was a cocky little shit where he told, oh really oh yeah yeah he told everyone he was going to go number one i've been projected Oof. number one for years now and then when he didn't go into one what he told the reporter <laughs> it, it was that and then the other one was um so montreal who was to the devils right mm-hmm. the devils they took the russian they took the and then it was um Arizona. Arizona went third, and right before Arizona, he was mic'd up at the draft, and he turned to his father and he said, I'm excited to go there. This is going to be a good place for me. And then when he didn't (laughs) get picked, that one hurt. I do think he is coming in with a chip on his shoulder. I do believe that, and I think he is going to be a prick to play against, especially with certain teams. Like, Mind you, this is one of those things where on the other end, like, they could possibly, and I mean it, like, 
I know Arizona's in that central, but I mean, you still play them however many times a year. You, you don't think he's going to remember certain teams that didn't pick him? Like, oh, he's going to be a peach to play against. So, good. and he'll get to learn from Yanni Gord. Oh yeah, and I mean, no one better than Yanni, five foot four <laughs> Yanni, just in everything and getting after it. Uh, I agree with what you said on the D end. I mean, I think they need more out of Vince Dunn for a guy who they brought into the expansion and who was playing really well in St. Louis, didn't have the best year. They're definitely going to need him, yes, to quarterback that power play. Grubauer, like you said, I mean, I like Grubauer in net. I'm not, this is your franchise guy, but for the options that they had, sure, we'll, we'll start there. And I guess we'll just go in from there and we'll see the year that they have. Where I have them right now, ranked i guess they would be just outside of a playoff spot because i knew that was going to be the next one coming up so i'd have them uh, they would be the first one out of a playoff spot in this position. that's a pretty big leap in one year i i think it's 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 a very big leap for this team i i think that ron francis put together like you said a solid roster and in the division that they're playing in i think they will be very competitive within it I'm assuming we both agree on number six, the Kings. Yes. So I had, so, I had Vancouver, Seattle, Vegas, now L.A., yes. Yeah. So L.A., I know they're probably going to be the hot preseason pick for a lot of people. It's the team that, the next team to make the jump, I guess, kind of like what the Rangers did this past year. My only issue with that is they have no fucking goaltending. Their defense is brutal. I know Dowdy's coming back from the ankle surgery, so that should help. I, the, the rest of the D is... I got to learn to be more diplomatic. A learning curve. The, the rest of the D is passable at best. No, um, you'll you'll know, pass them if you go wide. <laughs> <laughs> they have some... They obviously brought in some talent up front. Um, I don't know how much longer you, have, you can expect... 1C production from Kopitar. If he falls off even a little bit, you know, you can't expect anything from Deneau really offensively. They have nobody really behind him. Uh, I know that a lot of hope is on uh, Byfield, but he hasn't proven much, but he's kind of in that same boat as uh, Lafreniere from the draft class. Uh, I know Timmy has proven that that's all bullshit, but maybe he just needs an, needed an extra year or two to start get going here, but Outside of that, they brought in Fiala. I think last year was a career year for him. I don't think I wouldn't expect him to replicate that year in and year out. Uh, they brought in Arvidsson, solid top nine guy. Um, I just don't see a lot of offensive output coming from this team. And when you're lacking significant offense, that means you have to rely on your defense and goaltending, and they don't have that either. Yes, uh, what you just said, I, I agree with completely. I mean. You have an aging Jonathan Quick here. They did bring in Cal Peterson, who has a couple yes. more years left. I mean, is he going to be able to take the reins from Quickie? I, I, I don't know. I do like Sean Jersey on their back end. They, they just gave him that little extension there for 1.7. Doesn't really hit your books too bad. But, yeah, yet again, I mean, can Anzi continue his – like, I, I want to say something here, and I don't want it to be like he, he's a homer by saying it, but – Patrice Bergeron every year is in the Calder Cup, well, Calder Trophy, <laughs> um, 
conversation. conversation here. But he also puts up points offensively. Anze Kopitar the last two years has been in the Calder Trophy conversation, but has not been there. I'm sorry, not Calder, the Selkie. Jesus Christ, I, I had the caller for the <laughs> other guy. But, like, Anze hasn't put the points up that he has in the past. I do like Kevin Fiala. I agree with you completely on Deneau. Like, offensively doesn't give you much. He is a shutdown guy, but offensively, what's there? I'm not a big Adrian Kempe guy. Uh, I know no. that people sign him some. Like, I've just... He, I'm not saying he's not my cup of tea. He's a bad player. Just, eh, for 5-5, five, five, I'd go somewhere else. Uh, I love Arjun. I guess a million less than Chris Kreider. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love RV. I, I always have him when he was in Nashville, went over there. I just, I don't see anything here that makes this team be like, yeah. And I know they made the playoffs last year, but I don't know what has made them significantly better or anything else. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. Just, I, eh. I think they're in a position of getting pass by by I mean you obviously have the classic division who are legitimate contenders but they're in danger of getting passed over by Anaheim and Seattle this year and depending on how the rebuild goes in a year or two San Jose can blow right fucking past them too yeah uh, so LA I don't think they're as good as people think they just made a couple Moves and because they've been drafting in the top ten for so long, everybody thinks they have a big time prospect pool of pull phone for the NHL roster. But Villardi's not healthy ever. Turcotte has his issues. Byfield, eh, we'll see. I still think he has a chance to be like a one or two C. Yeah, I mean, and, Madden, and Turcotte not possibly being able to develop for them is huge. Yeah. Madden isn't a center. He's too small, so he's going to be a winger, but he should have, like, a Vitrano-type career. But that's not, like, a franchise-altering prospect. So then you start looking, like, "Ah, they brought the Russian over. But, like, after that, it's like, "Ah, right? Like, for fucking six years of rebuilding, you'd think you'd have a little bit more. It's just, eh. Yeah. Um, Seventh for me, this is where I have Anaheim, just because, like I said, their wing talent i think just isn't there i think they could easily pass over la in this spot um if a couple of their if silverberg has a bounce back like that type of stuff so i'm not completely sold on la finishing ahead of anaheim but i think for me six is where anaheim caps out um but right now until proven otherwise have them seventh uh for this season all right and we're all in agreement for eight San Jose, I I would have them finishing last in every division if possible. <laughs> um, so you have number one and number two in the Rookie of the Year coming from this division. Yes. So, oh, I have McTavish winning it, but I do not have number two coming from here. I think if I had, like you said, if I had to choose between... Uh, Veneers or Wright to really come on a scene this year, I'm going Maddie. Mm-hmm. And a heartbeat. Like, I should, yeah, I should think. Here's my – I have two bold predictions for this division. Number one is Maddie B goes for 2030 this year. 
that's a solid fucking first year in the NHL. And my second prediction is, um, fuck, I just lost my note. I had it on my phone. Uh, start talking about something. It has to pop into my head now. <laughs> well, 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 we can talk about the San Jose Sharks and how we both yeah. had them last in this division. James Reimer in net. I have never been a James Reimer guy ever. No. Uh, you go to this back end. They have a aging Eric Carlson who, I will give it to him, at times last year showed points of remarkableness coming back, brilliant. And then other days where you were like, that's the one that we told you not to sign long-term and for that much money. Just not even close. Bad luck. I like Mark Edward Vlasic, but not for $7 million a year for the next four fucking years. Already 35 I mean, yeah, years old. Beat up. He's like a sixth defenseman. Slow. I think that's a huge hit on their cap. Um, going up front, I mean, all the rumors last year of possibly dealing Tomas Hurdle doesn't happen. They keep him. They still have Couture. They still have Meyer. Behind them, though, it gets really scarce. I mean, I like Luke Coonan. Is he going to be able to go there and revive his career? Don't know. Lindblom ends up signing there. Um, Nick Benino's over there. Nico Sturm. Like, I'm just... I'm not blown away with this roster. Uh, Mike Greer has a hell of a job to do to try yeah. to reconstruct this. Uh, you know, he did ship out Brent Burns. There's a couple of things, but for a team that I think is not even close to where they should be, they only have two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in cap space. <laughs> That's the thing. If this whole season should be dedicated to finding takers for Couture. Um, no one's going to want Carlson. You're stuck with Carlson. You're going to have to buy him out. But moving Couture, like, there's no reason you should have any of these veterans, high-paid veterans on this roster. No, and I mean, I, I think any UFA on this team is dealt at the deadline. Benino's gone. Nieto's yeah. gone. Nadevar is gone. Like, just... Anything for Cap? I mean, Reimer's probably gone too at the deadline. And I mean, I would trade Timo Meyer. Like by the time you're ready to contend again, he's going to be gone anyway. Yeah, probably. I mean, he has one year this year at six, and then he goes to RFA. Yeah. Like even if you give him a bridge deal, San Jose is not going to be ready in two years, three years. Yeah, I don't. That's an ugly fucking look, man. Yeah. My bold prediction, besides. The one I already gave of Vengers uh, is finally found it. It's not going to happen during the actual season, but it's going to happen this off season. Is my prediction. The Edmonton Oilers trade Leon Dreisaitl. I could see it happening. I think this is your last run because, hey, listen, we just paid big money for a goaltender. Now that excuse is out the window. And if they don't go to the conference final or make it to the cup, or win the cup, they're going to start looking around at, you know, it's not, just not working. What can we do this? Spread spread it around a little bit here. And I think unless they want to move Nugent Hopkins and not get as big of a return, Dreisaitl will, would be on the block here because they're not trading McDavid. No, I, I don't think at least right now they trade McDavid. I mean, maybe in a couple more years, uh, the, he'll have the quote-unquote the Gretzky effect and go somewhere else. 
I do have a question for you, and, and I honestly don't think that they would move him, but Darnell Nurse at 9.25. They're paying him like he's a franchise. Like, that's steep, man. And I love Darnell. Like, he plays the game hard, like, you know, everything else and everything about him, but he's not going to give you Makar numbers. He's not going to give you I McAvoy now. He's not giving you Fox numbers. Like, yeah. he's not even close there. I mean, granted, this is a guy who's going to eat every shot. He's going to fight every fight, finish every hit. Like, I get that. But fuck, man, 9.25 for Darnell Nurse. You're paying $9 million a year for a guy who's never going to be a finalist for the Norris Trophy. Yeah, and I mean, and also, too, just throwing it out there, just the way that he plays, he's one shot block away from being on IR every year. At least the other guys know, like, ah, we can let this one go through. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're paying him franchise like top of the league talent money for a guy who if you just put him on any other team would be like your second or third defenseman like who would you rather have just for this coming season just a one year deal one year deal same money so let, let's say one-year deal, $8 million. Darnell Nurse or Jacob Truba? Oh, Truba in a heartbeat. And now Truba is going to pay less on his overall deal than you're paying Nurse. Mm. Like that's – I agree. That's an underrated bad deal that doesn't get talked about as much by people. Um, I mean, he makes more than Dreisaitl. Yeah, dude. Like – that's the like I said. That's the deal. Everybody talked about Carlson. They talked about Burns. They talked about Dowdy. Uh, they talked about Duchesne. But when you have nine and a half, nine and a quarter for that, that's the one that fucks them. Oh, big time, big big. Time. So, and I mean, it's through twenty nine thirty too. That's wait. So it's worth seven more years. Yeah, seven more years. That's a max extension. I thought he had five left, which was still bad. Fuck, that's going to be a Carlson deal, man. I, I just, that already is a Carlson deal. <laughs> I just think they could have knocked it down to seven even. Seven, well, they had him, so they could have given him seven for eight years. 56. Even that, I feel like, is a little expensive. Yeah, but, but I that's mean, just it, the market, it, I guess. Yeah, but fuck, nine, two. I mean, McCarr's only making nine. That's why, man, you can't. That's why. You got to follow the top of the market. You can't go to Nurse and say, we'll give you nine and a quarter. And I know McCarr signed after him. But you look at the rest of the league, Darnell Nurse is not worth $8 million a year on his own. Never mind nine. Dude, that's a lot of fucking money. That's how bad Edmonton's defense was the last few years. You look at Darnell Nurse and like, holy shit, this guy is amazing. <laughs> I mean, McAvoy's 9-5. Lindholm six five, like I don't, just, <laughs> I don't know, man. But all right, so just to recap on my end: Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Vegas, Seattle, L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. My end: Calgary, Edmonton, Anaheim, Vancouver, Seattle, Vegas, L.A., San Jose. Playoff teams from this division. Top three. Um, 
So we got Calgary, Edmonton, Anaheim on my end. And I need to look at the central, but I think Vancouver, I think Vancouver's in. Okay. So for me, only the top three teams, just like this past year, make it to the playoffs. So for me, that's Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, the uh, Canadian trifecta. Vegas misses, Seattle misses, LA misses. Um, I just have a bad, like I have a back injury, pinch nerve and stuff. And obviously I'm not as conditioned of an athlete as Mark Stone. I don't have the training staff. Yeah. Or the, the fucking physical therapists on standby. Yeah. But for him to suffer that injury halfway through the year and basically not return. And then he had surgery and he's had treatment and he's had all summer and he still may not be ready for camp. That to me just screams he's going to give it a go. And the first time he tweaks it, he's out for the year. And then Vegas is going to just fucking tumble. Or Vegas is going to put him on LTIR and bring somebody, totally and bring somebody else in. <laughs> um, but all right. So next week we'll move over to the central division um i like this division a lot even you know forgetting the arizona state coyotes um i like this division and i think this is the division outside of the metro that i think has the most vari- variables for who finishes like one one through five mm-hmm. so next week will be fun i can't wait do you have any shout outs uh, no, nah, I mean, we had a work offsite in Boston last week. I didn't get to see you and snuggle, which put a damper on things. A little up I even had it, had even had a nice big hotel suite. Woo, sweet. That they put me in and had no one to keep me warm at night. <laughs> that, that, that's upsetting because on the day you came in was my 10 year wedding anniversary, which was even. Yeah. Even more, I was like, oh, if I sneak out tonight, I'm going to be in big trouble. I'm surprised. I tried to convince Red that I was your what your anniversary gift, but she wasn't having it. She wasn't it. having it that night? No. I knew it. I knew it <laughs> one way. Um, but yeah, so I guess just shout out to my team, even though they probably don't listen. But it was a good first offset we had as a startup. Um, we went to the Sox-Yankees game. Uh Enjoyed some seafood for lunch, and then went to the North End for dinner. Um, but yeah, it was nice being back in Boston. Ton of fucking construction going on downtown. Dude, man. It's everywhere. It's not like, just there. It's the town I live in, the town I work in, the other towns I drive through to get to work and from work. It's it is everywhere. It is nonstop, and the only thing or the only way i would ever consider being a police officer in today's day and age with all the eyes and shit that are on you especially in massachusetts is just detail money because that is yeah. the only thing that has these fucking guys that keeps going is just knowing that you're getting a detail because no matter what there's someone digging there's some sort of construction going <laughs> on and you're going to make money one way or the other yeah i mean we were driving down storo yeah and I counted seven, like high-rise condo or uh, apartment developments going up. 
Oh, and I mean, the the south end, too, down southy, everything's just going straight up in the All new buildings going straight up in the air. Uh-oh, is Southie becoming clean? Oh, the Southie, they, they've cleaned Southie up, man. It, it is a place for the yuppies. Uh-oh. And um, it is also a place of just, in general, just everything is being built straight up down in that seaport district down there. Like, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, a hotel was in a seaport uh, right by the Coast Guard station. Yep. Um, we drove through there. I was like, wait. I thought the I thought I told the CEO it's like I thought the hotel was in the, the seaport North End. He's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, huh. It's been a while since I've been here. It looks a lot different. Uh, they've, <laughs> they've done everything up real nice down there. So it is a uh, it's a whole new world when you go down there. That's for sure. Yeah, enough of a, enough development that we saw where me and the two co-founders were talking. It's like Boston might be the next market we go into because of all the new residential apartments being built here. Yeah, they have a whole bunch of stuff going in those high-rises. and I mean, it, it's some high-end shit in the sense of, I mean, people are going there, they're renting out these massive apartments downtown there because they include parking and everything else for, you know, two bedrooms, 45 hundo a whack. Like, it's, it's insanity. Shit. But anyway, that's my shout-out, and it was nice to be back in Boston, especially for literally the amount of time that I would be willing to spend in that city, which was 24 hours. 24 hours, thank goodness. <laughs> well, uh, along with the shout-out of my wife and 10 years of marital bliss, I'm going to give a shout-out to the little guy. He had his first game on Sunday, scored a goal in his first game. Awesome. And... um. Might be a cut off the old chopping block. One of the kids <laughs> on uh, the other team scored while he was out on the ice for a shift. And then um, he went right up behind him and chased him down and attempted to trip him after he scored. So, you know, no no free no free goals here. That's all. Like Bobby Orstein? Like he went behind him and he had his stick to like push his blades out from underneath him. So I was <laughs> like, ooh, all right. And, you know, Redder's there. And she's like, did you see what he just tried to do? I'm like. I don't know what you want me to do right now. I'm sitting in the stands. Like if, if yeah, I jump, these, if, if I jump these boards and chase down my own son right now, it's probably going to get really ugly. So not going to do that. Did you ask him about it after? Uh, he just kind of looked at me with a blank stare. So I think he was already <laughs> past it. Yeah. Uh, Short term memory. Yep. Not a bad thing. So everybody, I thank you. Oh, Benny got something. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. I do like his uniform. As always, everybody, thank you for <laughs> listening so much. Uh, ben likes his uniform because uh, the youth hockey here has uh, Rangers colors. They even have the name across the sweater the same way. I will say that they do, do give a sharp giddy up. I, I will give them that. The uniform's nice. The socks are nice. Like it's. They, they did it right. I remember growing up, our stuff was not as nice, nor was it as. Uh, just didn't even look as good like you know ours was the starter mesh yeah we had like that shit like almost like nylon stuff and like these are like real real fucking jerseys like the socks even have um on the top part of the sock they even have the velcro part that'll go onto your garter so like they like they did it up really good i mean granted i had to pay for all the shit but it was like (laughs) one of those things like it was they did it nice I will say that me saying I like his uniform a lot made me sound like a fucking pedophile. <laughs> yeah. oh, I really like that blue team. <laughs> <laughs> I really like his uniform. Oh, yes. But, uh, 
<laughs> no, they, they did it right. Thank God. But everybody, as always, thank you for listening. And uh, next week, we're going to the Central, baby. So only a uh, two-hour time difference. Right, Benny? Yep, we'll see you there. We'll see you there. Mountain time. Bang, bang. <laughs> Bye-bye. I know a place where the grass is really green.